You obviously know Kung Fu. How you doing? This is Vincent Pastor. Uh, you may know me from The Sopranos. I played Big Pussy. And I also uh, knocked off a movie with Tony Darrow, uh, Made in Chinatown. And I just want to give a shout out and say that this is uh, the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine is better. Joining me tonight, actor, producer, podcaster, author, saucier, beloved by many as Salvatore Big Pussy Bomponsiero from The Sopranos, now on screen as Amadore Condimento in the Kung Fu Mafia comedy Made in Chinatown, Vincent Pastor. Vincent, thank you so much for joining the Kung Fu Driving Podcast tonight. Uh, this is a pretty cool title. Uh, what's the name of the show? <laughs> Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. The Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. That's pretty. See, mine's a little easy. My, I just say forget about it. <laughs> That's my podcast. It's not Don't Forget About It podcast or uh, You Can't Forget About It. It's just forget about it. <laughs> and it sounds much more convincing coming from you. <laughs> well, you know, um, this is this is what I'm known for, doing uh, Tough Guys. Uh, and um, my podcast is like your podcast. It's, we have different guests on. Yep. You know, like I, I don't know uh, too much about karate although a lot of my friends have uh, black belts and brown belts and you know in fact um i got something here hanging up in my hallway from um the martial arts festival down in Atlantic city two years in a row they gave me an award had me sitting up on the dais so i really don't know how to do any kung fu but i grew up watching all these movies my favorite movie ever uh, was with uh, John Saxon, who just died. Yeah. Bruce Lee, Year of the Dragon. And that was my movie when I was growing up. That and Magnificent Seven. Nice. Um, uh, and it made in Chinatown, uh, Bobby Sangles, uh, he let me do my own stunt. There was two things where I get pushed around, and uh, I said, no, I could do it. <laughs> Yeah, and, I do it. yeah, and uh, I mean Bobby Samuels is himself a, a a veteran of Hong Kong cinema and kung fu movies. So, uh, and then you also had Lo Meng in the uh, in the movie as well, who yeah. for kung fu fans is a, is one of the five deadly venoms, and, and that must have been awesome. Well, you know, uh, when you're on the set and you're doing the scene, like I, I never forget um, the opening scene we shot down the line. We didn't do it opening day. But that was the scene when they will, the guys jump on the table and they're killing each other. And, and, and that's the first time uh, Tony Darrow, his character and my character, realized the situation that we're in. You know, we're up against these guys. And who are these guys, you know? Um, and uh, just to watch these guys fight, really fight. I mean, they know their stuff, yeah. these guys in the movie, man. That stuff is real. That stuff is real. They just slow it down a little. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, and it was, it was great to watch. Uh, how did you get involved with the film, by the way? Well, um, my manager, Bob McGowan, out in California, 
He uh, he also handles Tony Sirico, and uh, I think Bob got to Mark Wiley about a package deal because he also handles Ray Barry, and he handles uh, the girl who played the the Teresa who plays the Mor- Moriarty who plays the Tango. So he had like a package. So he got me involved, but I wasn't supposed to play the boss. Uh, Bert Young was supposed to play the boss. I, I was supposed to play one of his cronies. And then what happened is Bert, uh, he didn't feel like doing it. He's getting old. He's getting cranky. So then they, Tony, Sirico, uh, same thing. He's getting old. He's getting cranky. He didn't want to do it. So Tony Darrell got bumped up and I got bumped up. And now the movie became uh, me against Tony. And I love it because, um, I love working with Sirico, but when I work with Tony Darrow, it's funny. It's funny. Because <laughs> he's a funny guy, man. Yeah, he is. But you guys did such a great job playing off of each other in the film. It looked like you had great chemistry, but you've also known each other for a while, right? Yeah, I met Tony uh, on Goodfellas. I, he had the, he, was, he was playing Sonny Bamboo, and I was the man with the coat rack. We did a scene together. That's when I met Tony. Uh, but then because uh, we have mutual friends, this guy, Frank Rinoni, who was uh, a great uh, director of independent films, he stopped putting me and Tony into some of his movies. And that's when I started meeting guys like Tony Danza and Danny Aiello, Cha-Cha, and Butchie the Hat, and um, Johnny Costello. And um, that led to... A couple of more uh, indies, but then it led to The Sopranos. Yeah. Where Tony Darrow was on The Sopranos while I was on The Sopranos. We won the same time. Right. And we were in scenes together. So that was kind of trippy, you know? So for us to do Made in Chinatown together, it's uh, it's like Steve McQueen and Paul Newman doing The Tower and Inferno. <laughs> and I even said to Tony, who gets top billing? What do you mean you're the star? Who says you're the star? And he goes, well, my name is above yours. I said, what does that mean? <laughs> what does it mean? What does it mean that his name is above mine? <laughs> you know, uh, what's funny, though, is um, you didn't start out going for acting uh, on screen right away, though, did you? No, nah, I started when I was uh, 42 years old. So your first acting role on screen was at 42? Yeah. That's uh, incredible. I did this horror movie called the black roses but i don't tell people i could tell you guys because you probably watched it man <laughs> uh it's a cult classic it's called the black roses mm-hmm. and uh i did that i remember i got three hundred dollars it was non-union uh then i landed uh true love with annabella sciora i played her father and i ate the tour was in that then i did goodfellas with tony and I went along the road little by little, you know, uh, Carlito's Way, uh, a little bit in that, a little bit in Awakenings, a little bit in all these different movies. But then I did The Jerky Boys, and uh, that was a co-starring role. Right. Uh, and Tony Danza produced it. Tony knew me from Cha-Cha, a little Italy, and Tony got me that uh, role. And uh, that uh, from then, things start to change yeah you went to uh school for acting or at least you took some like theater acting in school so was there always a plan to go into movies or were you going to go for the stage i was doing stage work while i was running nightclubs um i was doing stage work while i was married and running a bus terminal 
I was doing community theater. Mm-hmm. So I was not, wasn't like I wasn't familiar with acting. And uh, I had Kevin Dillon, uh, a lot of actors uh, used to um, hang out in my clubs, yeah. you know? Matt Dillon, Michael O'Keefe used to come in. And um, I just uh, decided to change my life. And I said, you know what, man? This is what I always wanted to do. When I was a little kid, I used to go to the movies and watch, uh, you know, Steve McQueen up there and, and uh, Paul Newman. And and then I saw De Niro and Pacino, and I wanted to be an actor. Yeah. So I said, let me go for it. And I had fun. I, I was watching um, uh, this movie on TV the other night with Michael J. Fox and Jimmy Woods. It was called The Hard Way, and it was made in 1991. And I was watching it because I knew I worked on it. And I saw myself in that movie three different times as three different guys. <laughs> uh, I was, uh, you know, because I was doing background work. And I in one scene, I'm a construction worker. And another scene, I'm watching these guys do hip-hop on the street. And I got a hip-hop hat on. And another scene, I'm in the Beacon Theater when they were chasing um, the, uh, uh, Stephen Lang around, the bad guy. And I said, you know, okay, you know, um, I'm 74 now, and uh, I'm older. I played the game, but I, uh, you know, I came up the hard way, just like that movie. Yeah. You know, and when I worked with Tony, I was I, I people thought it was an extra, but I wasn't an extra. I auditioned for that. I auditioned for the role that Sonny had, that um, Tony had, uh, Sonny Bamboo. But um, Ellen Lou said to me, "We're going to put you in this movie, but you know, even if it's not a big part." It's going to be a great movie. And when people say to me, uh, Colin Quinn was on my show the other night. He said to me, the fact that you were in Goodfellas, you were in Goodfellas. You, you got credit in that movie. It's the, the greatest mob movie ever ever made about New York. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got The Godfather. Sure. Yeah. It's a classic. Absolutely a classic. Goodfellas, Goodfellas was it, man. Yeah. It, it definitely is. Definitely is. Um, you know, speaking of coming up the hard way, uh, you have a great story about one of your first acting gigs on America's Most Wanted. Is that a real story? Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I had something about my income. Uh, I left the club business and uh, I was doing some work in the furniture business. But then when I started getting some some real work, like when you book three, four days on a set as an extra, you got to tell your boss, I won't be back for three days. And you you better hope that your boss is okay. I'll see you in three days. And you can do that in the limo business. So I was driving uh, a limo to supplement my income. And uh, I already had, um, you know, taped the America's Most Wanted episode where I played uh, Tommy Patera, Tommy Karate Patera from Staten Island. And, um, it was airing that night, and they gave me a ride. And I said, just give me something easy, man. I got to get back here because I wanted to watch the show in the office with, uh, with Max, the dispatcher. And um, I dropped off this lady, nice lady, from Mount Vernon uh, at LaGuardia. And she gave me a tip, and I came back. And we're watching the show, and the show's over. The phone's ringing, and Max picks up the phone. On, and uh, I, I heard the lady screaming on the other end. She said that the man who dropped me off at the airport is uh, is one. He's a murderer. <laughs> and that we should call the FBI. That's awesome. Said, no, no. Vinny's sitting right here. He's an actor. 
<laughs> Did you get that a lot, though? Well, but that's a good story. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's um, you know, that was different. Yeah. But what happened uh, later on as you start working and you start to get uh, a little more respected, after I did Gotti, uh, I was living in a, in a wise guy neighborhood in the Bronx. I got, I was, and all the wise guys were saying hello to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I played Angelo Virgilio. See, Angelo was a stand-up guy. He was a stand-up guy, yeah. you know, and he was John Gotti's right-hand man. So I was playing a real guy. Right. And then when some of the people from the family came up to me, up to, even up to today, they say that, I nailed it. I nailed it. How'd you learn how to play Angelo? I said, well, I was watching all the tapes on it, you know? Uh, you know what's weird? They said the other day, I was reading this 30th anniversary for Goodfellas and State of Grace. Now, I thought I was in Goodfellas. I was also in State of Grace, and I was playing uh, one of Joe Finarelli, his, his, his wise guys. Now, I didn't have, uh, I had maybe one line. But I'm shooting the scene down with Ed Harris down um, at the, uh, on, on the Little Italy in, in the bar and we rap and I, I'm walking up the street and John Gotti and Sammy the Bull and Angelo are walking down the street. Wow. <laughs> and they're looking at me and I'm saying, man, I was just playing these guys. And they're like, you know, <laughs> I don't know, but I wind up playing Angelo. Wow. That guy who walked by me, I wound up playing him like eight years later. <laughs> how do you how do you figure all that out? Well, let's talk about that because um, of your New York accent, uh, you you got to play a lot of those tough wise guy roles. Um, do you get tired of playing those roles ever? No, I love it. Do you? You see, I, what I do uh, when I'm not playing those roles is I do what I was doing tonight. Before we come on, is I, I I teach, I direct, I try to do plays with my acting company where I'm doing roles that I wouldn't get cast as. You know, a lot of comedy. You know, so when I get offered a job that pays, and that's uh, you know, I'm on the on the uh, SAG uh, uh, board now. Uh, anything that goes towards my health and pension or Anybody, when they work, if anything to, towards your health and pension, grab the jobs, do the jobs. So what if you play another wise guy? So what? So what? Play him a little different this time. Wear a different pair of sunglasses. It pays the bills. You get older. And then you're allowed to kind of do what you want, you know? I mean, even Marlon Brando said, I don't want to do it no more. And he bought an island out in Tahiti. <laughs> right. And he went and lived there. I mean, there comes a point where you just want to say, and, and, and I think COVID-19 woke me up. It woke a lot of people up saying, okay, what have you been doing with your life that's so great and so important and so good that if it ended today, you could you, you say, well, I, at least I got that done. And if you didn't get it done, get it done now because you don't know. Yeah. No, that's a great perspective. You don't know no more. I mean, we're talking, we've got this political debate starting in a little while. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen after uh, the election, Sure, where, where the country's going to go. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. I didn't grow up in those kind of... I grew up 
I grew up in a rock and roll era. Yeah. I grew up in the 50s and the 60s where rock and roll was king. And then I went, wind up owning a rock and roll club in New Rochelle called The Crazy Horse. And I ran that and I ran discos. And then I got into acting. And so my life has been a journey as an entertainer. And I, you know, now I got my podcast and I'm doing a little more stand up and um, I'm directing. And, and I feel like, okay, it's time for me to, um, you know, like I'm, every time somebody calls me up and says, I got a movie for you and I read the script and I say, I can't wait to get to work. They call you up and say it's postponed because of COVID-19. Yeah. I mean, I've got movies been postponed since March. Wow. I'm supposed to work with Mickey Rourke in a movie in San Jose. You can't even go there, San Jose, now yeah. with the fire. Yeah. The world's falling apart. Then I'm supposed to do this movie uh, in Rhode Island with these guys, and it's not working out. And this, it, there's just too much uh, being asked by production for people to get anything done because they're, they're afraid people are going to get sick. And I'm afraid I'm going to get sick, too, but... I mean, after a while, you got to start saying, let me wake up and go start doing things again. Yeah. I had my band play down on Broadway uh, uh, at the end of August, and we did it, you know, like what we're doing now. We played, we had like uh, 50 people in the theater all socially distanced. Right. You know, and then we streamed it, and a lot of people saw the show. Cool. And that's what's happening now. And, and I'm going to tell you something. Talk about Made in Chinatown. As soon as this people can start seeing this thing, it's going to be a hit. Yeah. Because people are going to laugh. <laughs> They're going to need to laugh for sure. Yeah, absolutely true. Laugh now. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and uh, uh, well, let's touch on Made in Chinatown while we're talking about it because it is a good laugh. Uh, it's a good comedy. There's a good love story there, too. Um, that cast uh, was such a stellar cast from top to bottom. A lot of great people there. And like you said, you know, you knew Tony Darrow before, so you had that uh, chemistry already. What about with the rest of the cast? Was it as fun a cast to be a part of as it looked on screen? Well, by Johnny, who's one of my cronies in the movie, is my partner on my podcast. Nice. So I know Johnny. I know Johnny since my nightclub days. Uh, Paul Begazi and I have worked together many times. Uh, a lot of times, Paul behind the camera. Paul and I, the family with De Niro. Luke Besson uh, a couple of years ago in Paris. Cool. Um, and Tony and um, Joe D'Onofrio is my friend. Um, but what was, uh, uh, what, what, who I really was impressed with was the lead. What's the guy's name? Jay Kwan. He's a good guy, man. Yeah, yeah. He's a good guy. We were hanging out with him. Like after we would finish, we'd go eat. And he bring his um his uh his his cute girl with him and and me and Johnny and you know uh, we'd eat and we talk and um he's a good guy he's, he's got guy. some great some great martial arts skills too on that yeah. guy oh yeah he's good he's good he's good <laughs> so tell me about your character uh Condimento why wasn't his favorite sauce Vinny Pastore's Italian sauce. <laughs> Because you can't do that. I you sound like my guys who make the sauce, so you can't do that. Because you're not playing Vinny Pastor. What would Vinny Pastor? I think it could have been, it could have been cute for that kind of movie. Yeah. It could have been cute if that job was in back of me. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know why that didn't happen. But we're doing a sequel. Are you really doing a sequel? 
Are yeah, you? Well, made in Chinatown, the Philly Cheesesteak Wars. <laughs> That's awesome. Because what's his name? The the kid we were just talking about. Jaquan, yeah. He, in the sequel, him and the girl, they go live to, in Philadelphia. And they're running, you know, kung fu places and stuff. And he's teaching. And he gets caught up with the wise guys down there. So he calls us up, me and Tony's character, come down and help him out. Nice. So we call it the, the Philly Cheesesteak Wars. All right, I might have to cut this out. I'm not sure if that's ready for release yet, but I'll check with Mark Wiley. <laughs> well, if that's not, it's not ready for release. It's in my mind. Okay. It's in mind. Okay. And it's in Robert Sattin's, it's in our mind. Okay, okay. So if the first one's a hit, then we definitely got a sequel. Cool, very cool. Very cool. Well, what about your character? Um, what did you uh, What did you bring to that particular character to kind of change it up for you as an actor? Well, the first thing I, I, I realized is I wanted to make him different. I wanted to make him somebody who's still living in the past because it's in the lines with Tony's character that says he's still living in the past. Look at you. So what I did is I told Mark Wiley, I says, listen, tell wardrobe I'm getting my own wardrobe. And they said, we love it. Send us pictures before you buy anything. So I was going and looking uh, for a suit, and I saw the light powder blue suit. Took a picture, sent it to wardrobe. Took a picture of my white shoes, sent it to wardrobe. Took a picture of my blue hat, sent it to wardrobe. The glasses were the same glasses that I wore in the family uh, with De Niro. Um, they're they're casino-type glasses that I was wearing. But I, I just didn't want to take them off because he uh, he was old school. He was like still living with Saturday Night Fever. That was just in his in his head, you know. <laughs> right. That was in his head. It wasn't twenty twenty or twenty eighteen. He was he thought it was nineteen seventy five still. <laughs> With all of the uh, the great names that you worked with, you know, you were talking about De Niro. You worked in Goodfellas. Do you still get starstruck at all? Yeah, oh yeah, I get starstruck. Do oh, you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm at uh, uh, Eddie Murphy's premiere. It was Dolomite. Uh, I think it was back in December, and um, Eddie's sitting down, man, in a booth. But I wasn't going over to Eddie. Eddie, you know. I don't want to bother him. Right. It's Eddie Murphy. Right. And he looked up and his left eye caught my eye and then he he waved me. That's awesome. To his table. And I said, Oh, and I I slid over, he was in a booth. I said, Yo, you know me? He said, Yeah, you're a big pussy. He says, Of course, and I love your work. I said, Yeah, yeah. Nice to meet you, Eddie. And then we, I said, you know. You worked in a, uh, for a friend of mine, who? Ted Demi, life. He said, Teddy, I love Teddy. I said, Teddy started my career. Uh, and he did, because I did Who's the Man with Teddy? You know, me and Tony Lip and Colin Quinn. And, um, and I did uh, uh, a lot of stuff early with Teddy. And Teddy directed Eddie and that. So when you drop a name like that, you have, we have a mutual friend. I'm not saying, uh, you know, uh, I'm not I'm not saying I, I know President Trump. I'm saying I know somebody that he knew that he was close to and I was close to. I don't know, because we worked with the same guy, Teddy. He was a sweetheart. 
He died too young. He did that movie Blow too. You remember that movie Blow with Johnny Depp? He did that movie too, Teddy. Yeah, that's good cool. guy, man. Good guy. <laughs> well, that's a nice bit of um, uh, star recognition there from Eddie Murphy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Eddie. Yeah. So uh, you're uh, you've done uh, Broadway too now, right? You've you've moved on to doing Broadway. Yeah, I did two Broadway shows. I did Chicago. I played Amos, and then I did uh, Bullets Over Broadway, and I played uh, Nick Valenti. Which uh, your buddy Tony Darrow uh, was in the movie for with Woody Allen, right? Yeah, and also uh, Joe Vitarelli played Nick Valenti in the movie, and Joe Vitarelli and I, I worked with Joe on State of Grace. Uh, and then I go to Broadway and Joey had passed away. I was at his wake in, uh, Hollywood and, and Joey, um, I, 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 uh, reprised the role that Joey played in the movie. I played it, uh, on, on Broadway, Nick Valenti. Yeah. Yeah. And Tony said to me, um, he called me, he says, uh, Woody's going with you. He wants the fat guy. I said, oh, is that why I got the part? <laughs> Not that I can act your ass off? I'm, I'm the fat guy? <laughs> I'm sure your acting had something to do with it as well. <laughs> and, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Tell it to Tony. Thank you. <laughs> What's more fun for you, though, Broadway or Hollywood? Oh, I don't like Hollywood. You don't? What? No, you can't say that. <laughs> I love, I'm a New Yorker, man. Yeah? Yeah. I didn't go to Hollywood until I was 50. Right. And I only go out there when I have to work. Uh, but I can't handle that traffic. Sure. I can't. And there's too much pot out in Hollywood. <laughs> so you don't get nothing done. You don't get nothing done. I was living in Venice Beach when I was doing the practice and a couple of shows out in L.A. And... Um, you go down to the end of Venice Beach, there's a couple of bars out. You know, the things are open all day long. You're sitting outside. And these guys used to come up on bicycles and sell you pot. Right. On a bicycle. <laughs> so you don't get nothing done in California. Okay, but to be fair, you can get other stuff in New York. <laughs> no, I get a lot of that stuff in New York. I mean, I don't have to leave my house. I get, I'll get it delivered from my doctor, <laughs> you know. Of course. I need to smoke marijuana, but that's not what we're talking about. I'm not trying to legalize pot here. Although Jim Belushi's uh, reality show is hilarious, man. Yeah, Jim yeah. Belushi's got a reality show called Growing Belushi. Uh, he, you know, uh, he, how he's growing pot. But um, no, I mean, uh, I mean, actually, the, my subtext as condimento is that I was dealing pot. Right, and I think that should come should have came out, man. Yeah. Yep, that he was dealing pot because they kept saying your stuff smells like oregano. Well, it was pot, <laughs> and I was trying to tell Bobby to put that in the script that I was I'm a pot dealer. You're a pot dealer for Christ's sake. <laughs> Well, I think one of the things that they wanted to do specifically with that movie, though, is kind of keep it like family oriented, right? Which I think they did a great job with. So, in other words, uh, you you could shoot people and kill people and make out with a girl uh, and be naked on the screen, but you can't talk about pot. <laughs> well, none of that happened in Made in Chinatown, too, by the way. <laughs> Um, I think the worst that happened was somebody got beat with a salami, right? Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson has a podcast. And when he's on the podcast, he smokes a joint. 
because yeah. he sells pot for a living now. <laughs> He's got a farm. Willie Nelson's got a farm. And God bless what? I don't know where we're going to get our pot now because those fires in California. I mean, that's why ain't nobody getting nothing done out in California because that fire is, is burning up all the pot. And everybody in San Jose and all walking around stone. They ain't getting shit done. What are you smoking when you're recording your podcast? I don't smoke nothing. No, I don't, you can't. You got to go to work, man. <laughs> You can't you can't do that stuff when you're acting. You can't drink. You can't smoke. You can't. Come on, I know a guy's got fired, man. Fired. I know a guy. He was my teacher. Al Pacino fired him because he was doing a Broadway play with Al, and Al said to him, "They were like doing swords and stuff." It was Henry the Fourth, and they were doing swords and stuff. It was my guy Tommy. I ain't gonna say his last name. He was my teacher. And Al said, you smoking pot? Huh? You smoking pot? And he said, yeah. He said, you're fired. Wow. Right there. Right in the, between act one and act two. Somebody had to come out in act two to play his part, his understudy. But that's the way it is. And um, listen, you want to talk about it? I'll talk about it. When I was doing State of Grace, Sean Penn, he was a wreck, man. He was breaking <laughs> up with Madonna. He wouldn't come out of his trailer. Sometimes we sit around for a week waiting for him to come out of his trailer. But wow. we didn't kick him. We were on the clock. But yeah. he was a wreck, man. He's a good guy, though. Sean's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's a good actor. He was a good friend again to Phoenix. I really like Sean a lot. We were, doing, we were doing plays on 42nd Street, me and Maureen Van Zandt. We were doing a play called Golden Boy. And Sean used to sneak in um, uh, three, four times a week to, to watch our plays. Wow. Yeah, he's a, he's a good guy. So I, I um, just because he had problems with Madonna. I mean, come on. Guy Ritchie had a problem with Madonna. Everybody had a problem with Madonna. <laughs> Did you have a problem with Madonna? No, I love her. I call her Madge. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I call her Madge. Okay. I don't have a problem with Madge. <laughs> good sweetheart. If she's watching this right now, listen. Guy Ritchie is a wonderful man, great guy, great director. I love you both. I'm sorry you guys split, but, you know, I love you too, Madge. <laughs> well, uh, what of the projects that you've worked on uh, over your career uh, do you have some of the fondest memories for? Um, it's got it's Sopranos, to work yeah. with Jimmy, to work with Sirico, to work with Michael, you know, um, it's Sopranos. Yeah. You know, because what happens is that you can make a movie with the exception of movies like Hurricane that they run all the time, Mickey Blue Eyes. But there's a lot of movies that I made and I put your heart and soul into it, a lot of indies, and you never see them anymore. You never right. see them anymore unless you pull out your own DVD and watch them in your house, you know? And... When you think about Sopranos, it's 20 years after the fact. And all uh, the new generation, like pretty soon my granddaughter is going to be able to watch it, you yeah. know? Yeah. You always bring in a new generation. And the new generation brings in new fans. I mean, I uh, somebody gave out my box number. I don't care. I get a lot of fan mail now. I don't care. I signed it today. I signed a baseball mail to back. 
Cool. One guy sent me a gun. I didn't mail it back. I called <laughs> up the cops. What? I said, take this gun. <laughs> the surprise was a, a, a cool um, badge of honor, too, for those of us from Jersey. I'm a Jersey boy, so it was it was cool to see New Jersey showcased like that. Well, the Fox was supposed to do the show. And Fox says, you got to shoot it in L.A. David Chase said no. And David was turning down a... a, a, a um, a big money deal. Mm. And HBO doesn't pay as much as regular television, especially back in those days. And um, he took a gamble because he wanted to shoot it in Jersey. He, that's where his story took place. Uh, David grew up in Mount Vernon, same town as uh, Michael Imperioli, same town as Pete Diddy, same town as Denzel Washington. And I grew up in New Rochelle, the town over, mm -hmm. same town as Richie Roundtree, same town as Ozzie Davis and Ruby D. Uh, we all grew up together. And we all want to work together. And we all want to work about the areas we know. You know, one of the reasons why that movie Jersey Boys failed as a movie, I mean, it was a great Broadway show, is because Clint Eastwood decided to take the movie out of Jersey. Right shoot it in a studio in L.A., and it looked like singing in the rain. You know? Where John Favreau was supposed to direct it in Jersey, and I was playing Git. And then when John, uh, they said, no, you can't shoot it in Jersey, he walked away from the movie, John, and they gave it to Clint, and Clint gave my role to Christopher Walken. Mm. Right. A whole different direction. But yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the business. That's the business, you know? But you you can't... There are, you know, there are scenes uh, that I see in some old movies that they shot in New York. And, uh, and, and you have to realize uh, how wonderful and how great the city is. You know? They used to say it used to be a TV show. There were 8 million stories in the naked city. Drag that, and this right? is one of them. And I used to watch that shit every, I don't know, I think it was Sunday night. I'm a little kid watching this stuff on television. There are eight million stories in the naked city. Yeah. And this is one of them. Yeah. yeah. They knew how to make New York a character unto itself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of great movies, a lot of great movies uh, in New York. And what really made New York blow up was uh, in my opinion was West Side Story. Even though oh, yeah. some of it was shot on a soundstage, um, I never forget when I was um, dating this girl and she was trying to turn me off to Broadway and uh, back in high school. And I said, I don't want to see it. She said, Let's go see West Side Story. I said, That's a play. She says, It's a movie. I said, It's a play. I don't want to go see it. She said, It's a movie now. And she took me down to the Roxy in New York, and I saw West Side Story. I said, Wow. Yeah, yeah. And then I start thinking about because she was doing community theater, Karen, in Nurshaw High School. And I started thinking then after I saw that, wow, man, I could play one of those guys, you know. And um, when I got out of the service, I went to college, and um, I was studying marketing, and I was doing bad. And uh, my speech teacher, who later on became the dean, he said, "You should start taking." Uh, dramatic arts, mm -hmm. trying to get a dramatic arts degree. 
And uh, that changed my whole life. That's when I started really thinking about acting, when I started studying in college. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, um, but then I got caught up into the bar business, man. You know, first I was doing it to pay my bills. Then I became a manager. Then I became an owner. And then I, you know, then you, then everybody's partying. <laughs> that, that's got to be a, a crazy kind of life, though, the rock clubs and all that. Life. It was a great life, and I'm lucky I'm still alive. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> Right. Well, what kind of trouble did you get into in that in that whole business? Well, it's the whole. It's not the kind of trouble you get into. It's just what the life was about. Yeah. I mean, I when you work at a disco back in the late seventies and early eighties, it's just like in Carlito's way with with uh, Benny uh, Benito from the Bronx, Benny Blanco from the Bronx, John Guizamo. He has his own booth. Well. In all the discos, the guys had their own booth. Right. So you go to the disco, and you want to buy some coke. You went up the steps to the booth, and you, and then you go went in the bathroom, and you got high. And that was the eighties. Yeah. That was the eighties, you know. And what happens is, um, uh, I, I, you know, I talk to a lot of people about the process of becoming an actor because now, because I teach, and I just. This was working on Zoom for an hour and a half with a uh, play we're doing from school. And 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 I say, you know, you got to live it, man. You got to make that guy you. You can't go in and play Marlon Brando from Streetcar because you ain't Brando. Right. You got to make it you. Yeah, yeah. And the, the problem you have is when you're doing a play that was very popular, a movie, uh, a scene from a movie that somebody else did already, like, you know, Try to do Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, Jack Nicholson made that famous. Try to play Michael Corleone. So when you go and do plays, you I, uh, or I say strip yourself from that. Yeah. And that's where you learn to develop a character. What happens is if somebody gives you a script and say, here, you're playing Condimento, they're not telling you how to make your choices. They're even saying, what do you think you want to wear? They help you help them create the character. Even like uh, when I did a Y50, um, they were very gentle about my approach. As long as you knew your lines, you know, as long as you knew your lines, but your delivery and, and your intentions and your attitude and the way you play the relationship, that's all your choice, you know? And that's, that's all, that's all, uh, it's just like training. Uh, that's why I kind of enjoy it. I'm going to go back to this and then I'm going to say goodbye because I want to watch this presidential stuff. You got it. But back to why I like to hang out with the guys uh, down at uh, the martial arts event in Atlantic City every year. Chuck Zito brings me down and Bobby Samuels is there. And I meet so many wonderful guys. I was there last year. I, I guess you weren't there last year. but yeah, last year. Uh, then I missed you. <laughs> I was I'm always next to Chucky. Am I next to Chucky? And what I love about those guys, you know, when we have the dinners and everything, they let me sit up on the dais. They give me a plaque. And I say, why do you do this? And they say, because you're part of our family now. And, you know, I lost uh, my friend Tommy May, who was a, uh, who was a teacher. Uh, ironically, he lost his legs from diabetes before he died. Mm. Uh, you know, um, Chucky Zito is in martial arts. He he he, uh, he plays around with me, but I I, I love watching 
the martial arts and, sure. and you know, do I have a black belt? Yeah, I got a black belt. I got a brown belt. <laughs> I'll never wear a white belt. Never. <laughs> All right, on that note, let me ask you one thing before you go. What do you want audiences to take away from Made in Chinatown when they watch it? Hopefully it gets distributed soon, but uh, what do you want them to take away when they watch that film? I'm going to go into the theater and forget about all this bullshit that we've been going through and come out laughing. Good enough. Vincent Pastore, thank you so much for taking some time out to talk. I know you're uh, going to watch the debate, so uh, best of luck with everything that you have going on, and uh, I hope Made in Chinatown makes it out there for everybody to see, because it is a fun movie. Uh, there's some great comedy in it. And whoa, 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 whoa. You said I hope that this movie's released? This movie is already circulating as a bootleg copy. <laughs> all over China and Japan. Yeah. It's an international hit. Don't tell me people ain't watching this movie. Don't tell me people, this movie's like in a closet somewhere. Because we streamed it we a did. month ago. Yep. And anybody who knows how to download that thing, <laughs> they got that movie and they're watching it now. I, I was trying to keep it legal here, Vincent. I was trying- <laughs> There's no such thing anymore. You can't control that. Never mind this bullshit where you put, pop a video into your TV and it says if you copy this, you're going to go to jail. <laughs> Come on. Those days are over. You know, this, pod- you, this podcast that you and I are doing now, it's going to be able to be seen 20 years from now. True. True. I hope so. <laughs> Speaking of which, tell people where they can get uh, your podcast. Forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> We're on uh, Storic Media, and you can also get it on uh, um, YouTube uh, and on Facebook when we post it. Um, it's Forget About It uh, podcast. And, uh, you know, the same way, uh, how do people watch you? Wherever you can get podcasts. Anyway, right, wherever you can get a podcast, right? <laughs> exactly. Right? And maybe you can pick up a pizza at the same time. Why not? <laughs> Thank you so much. And uh, listen, again, I wish you the best of luck. Enjoy the debates. Uh, I hope you uh, you get some good information out of it and uh, we can get out of this COVID-19 mess sooner rather than later. So be listen, safe. I, 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 before we go, I yeah. worked on The Apprentice with Donald Trump. Did you, you know that? You did. I know. I know. We didn't get to talk and about it, but yeah. This. Before the debate. Okay. He was good to me. Mm-hmm. He was very generous to my family because when I won as project manager, my charity was the Luscon Foundation for Pancreatic Cancer because my ex-wife's husband, Mitchell, died from that, my daughter's stepfather, and we raised $50,000. Donald gave me $50,000, and I gave the check to Nancy down a little Italy in front of Lamella, right on television, 50,000. So he's a good man. Uh, is he a racist? No. He's good friends with Lennox Lewis. and Forget about what Omar Ross has said. Omar, whatever his name is. You know, he's, <laughs> he's not a racist. Far from a racist. He loves sports. He said to me, I, I don't like a quitter. He said it to me right on television because I said, I quit this show. He said, I don't like a quitter, Vinny. So, I mean, he is Donald Trump. I mean, the people voted the guy in. They knew what they were getting. (laughs) They knew what they were getting. (laughs) 
let's leave it there. <laughs> but thank you so much for taking some time out to talk. Again, best of luck with everything, and I, I hope to see much, much more of your work very soon. Someday, you too will be the president of the United States, my son. <laughs> Anything can happen in America. That's right. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Awesome. That's right. Best of luck, Vincent. Thank you so much. Take care. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Huge thanks to Vinny Pastor for that hilarious interview. Go follow Vincent, or actually go follow Vincent Sauce on Instagram at Vinny Pastor Sauce, and let him know that you heard him right here on the Kung Fu Driving Podcast. Also, of course, go check out Made in Chinatown, where Vinny plays Amadori Condimento. Those links will be in the show notes, so give the film a watch for some fun kung fu mafia comedy and check out the fashion stylings that Vinny picked out for his character. In the meantime, give me a follow on all my socials as well and check out the Kung Fu Drive-In Theater channel on Binge Networks as part of the Urban Action Showcase Cinema. New videos are being posted there as they get done, so check it out and let me know what you think. Stay safe out there, guys, and until next time, Poison Clan, peace. Poison Clan rocks the world. Shouting monks on the hands, running down the thousand stairs. The fate of Lee Khan, now's in King Yu's hands. With the fearless idea, roaming over the lands. Yeah, the little bit soldier is older and wiser. He wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight. Yo, got the venom mob laying down the law. Bruce Lee delivered kicks, guaranteed to graze jars. Fight for the cast and pass here, the pass. Not the end back kicks will defeat the outlaws. Very good, but boards don't hit back. Yeah, the death jewels here, David D is coming back. The Tai Chi master, jetting's even faster. The child a little dream because he is the drunken master. Once upon a time in China, Rosa McQuan is real fine, but see, man, he's your spine. Golden Swallow has arrived. Shang Chi movies will the hero will survive. We've got the brave archer make his way to the top of the mountain, gonna fight, may as well pick the spot. Yeah, the sky goes black, cause the vampire's back. We've got Lam Ching to kill them all, so stand back. You place the black magic on the soul of the sword, and our sword will travel until his body's on floors. Yeah, Wing Chun Shaolin and Manti style. Yeah, the Feed the enemy and watch him run for miles Blood will spill now on the mountain tops When we bring back the soul of the legendary pops Walk into the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war We smash the place up with a dragon claws We walk into the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war, we smash the place up with a dragon claw. See it's a game of death, yo, you're facing the big boss It's once upon a time in China counting the TikTok The Shogun assassin slashing blood is just drip drop The head kick, neck drop, balance the bone stop Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins He's got Irma just in yellow, but she is in the dragon But in the tea rooms, that's where it'll happen She got the bodies on the floor When the blood it'll splatter against the wall No fear at all, to kill them all There's always blood spilled when you head into a war Fearless, unleashed the fist of legend that the car jet leave 
Pandolo Young, yo, I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumbling the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these It's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Welcome to the tea house, many of us are action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's warm To smash the place up with a dragon cross We're walking to the tea house, many of us are action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting